Lynn M. Zook grew up in Las Vegas during that mythic time when legendary entertainers performed regularly in town. Large neon signs proclaimed who was appearing in the showrooms up and down the famed Las Vegas Strip. The history of her adopted hometown has always been important to her, and she has strived to preserve it through her historic preservation projects and writings. She conducted over 100 oral histories with longtime Las Vegans, created a first-person documentary of the town's history, and worked with others to save the Las Vegas she knew. She now shares that history through her website, ClassicLasVegas.com, through her books, and now as a guest on GNL Voice. Lynn, welcome to GNL Voice. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, very honored to be here. Good. Okay, tell us a little bit about Las Vegas Neon. Oh, well, um, Neon is uh, has been in Las Vegas uh, from uh, the very early days. Uh, it was used uh, primarily in the beginning uh, down on Fremont Street uh, to uh, help publicize um, a couple of small restaurants and a bar. And then in the mid-1930s, Thomas Young from uh, the Young Electric uh, Sign Company, or as uh, Las Vegans better know it as Yesco. Uh, yes, I was just going to say that. That's yes, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, drove down, uh, was going through uh, Las Vegas on his way back to uh, Salt Lake City and uh, met with uh, the owner of the Boulder Club. And the owner of the Boulder Club wanted a flashier uh, sign than uh, the marquee sign they had out front. And so uh, Thomas Young uh, had his uh, guys design uh, the new neon sign for the Boulder Club. And from that moment on, Neon in Las Vegas was born. Okay. So I was, you know, I was doing some research on my own and I, I found uh, some interesting um, tidbits of information. One was called, um, the, the first neon sign was at the, at a hotel, a small hotel in Las Vegas, the Overland or um, the Overland Hotel. And the Overland true? Hotel uh, set uh, is basically where the Las Vegas Club uh, used to be. Uh, they're at the corner of uh, Main and Fremont Street, across the street from uh, the Golden Gate. And it okay. was uh, it was a small uh, neon sign compared to the larger neon signs that uh, we're used to from the 50s and 60s. And it had uh, a train on it because it was right across the street from uh, the train station, which used to be at on uh, Main Street, there where the Union Plaza is today. And it was the hotel that catered to uh, the train, um, the train tourist, more or less. And uh, from there, you know, Neon just kind of got, got its foot in the door and never and didn't let go for another 60 years. Okay, and that that first neon sign wasn't our stereotypical Las Vegas neon either. It was, you know, I've looked at pictures and it just says hotel on it. It wasn't until uh, the 1940s that they started using expressive or more expressive neon, I should say. Can you tell us a little bit about that evolution of the neon? 
Um, it, it took a really big step forward in uh, after World War II with uh, Vegas Vic. Vegas Vic was uh, a tall, stylized cowboy. Uh, he's kind of the cousin of uh, Wendover Pete. And uh, in the in uh, the old days when I was a kid, his arm back and his arm moved back and forth. He talked. He said, "Howdy, partner!" every few seconds, and he blew smoke rings. And when I was a kid, he was absolutely fascinating to me. Oh yeah, is he yeah. the one that was it? James Coburn was he the one that shot him? <laughs> uh, no, that or, was actually uh, Lee Marvin and uh, Lee, Lee Marvin. Yes. Yes. So that is a true story. They uh, they shot at him from the Mint Hotel using uh, bows and arrows because uh, they were shooting <laughs> the uh, professionals out in uh, the Valley of Fire. Were they successful in hitting Vegas Vic? Well, shortly after that, Vic stopped talking, which was why Lee Marvin oh. was upset because it kept him awake at night. Ah, okay. Or so the story goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember hearing stories about some actor trying to shoot Vegas Vic, but I, I for some reason, James Coburn came in into play. But as soon as you said Lee Marvin, I, yeah, now I remember. Um, so, what, uh, what other, you know, when did neon become synonymous with Las Vegas? It was uh, after World War II. Um, Las Vegas uh, went on this big um, marketing campaign because after the war, uh, the uh, Civic Fathers figured that uh, Americans, you know, after years of rationing, gas rationing and food rationing and the men being at war, they, you know, the men were back back home, the rationing was done, and they figured Americans would be ready to travel. And one of the places that uh, Las, uh, the Civic Fathers wanted people to travel to is Las Vegas. And so in those years after World War II is, is when kind of, you know, what we call uh, classic Las Vegas really came into uh, the forefront. Uh, the hotels on the Strip uh, began multiplying. Uh, you know, during the war, there had only been three: the original El Rancho Vegas, uh, the Hotel Last Frontier, and the Flamingo. And then, after the war, uh, there was a building boom on the Strip, and uh, the El Rancho Vegas had a very large neon uh, windmill atop their building, which uh, back in uh, the 1940s and the 50s, and even into the 60s, you could see at night, and until, of course, it burned down, uh, and that was in uh, 1960. So basically, you know, the 40s and the 50s, uh, they had their uh, windmill, neon windmill uh, designed by Wayne McAllister. Um, the Hotel Last Frontier didn't have... Uh, the only neon it had was for the uh, fire station-themed uh, Texaco gas station out front, and that was a beautiful piece of animated uh, neon with uh, a, an old-fashioned fire truck on it. And, of course, uh, the Flamingo had a rooftop uh, sign that said uh, Hotel Flamingo in neon. 
And then in the 1950s, the Flamingo uh, did a renovation and turned it into uh, that huge Flamingo uh, neon sign and uh, the accompanying uh, champagne tower uh, that had the bubbles all up and down it all in neon. And so, you know, throughout the 50s, uh, Yesco came into its own. Andy Willis designed uh, the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. Um, there were West, there was Western Neon, uh, Ad Art. There were a bunch of little uh, neon design companies around town. And neon was everywhere, used to, you know, used to publicize everything from from bars to supermarkets to restaurants all across the valley. Yeah, when I lived in Las Vegas, you know, the, the neon was, of course, down the strip and downtown. But what surprised me was was the fact that some, you know, supermarkets had neon signs, you know, for, for their, you mm-hmm. know, um, parking lots. So you'd mentioned that, that the, the neon kind of ebbed and flowed. And you mentioned that um, around 1960, it died off? Uh, no, in 1960, uh, the El Rancho Vegas burned down. And with it went, okay. uh, it's, uh, but uh, neon, neon was still going strong up until um, the late 80s, the early 90s. There was uh, Steve Wynn. Uh, is purported not to have liked neon very much. And uh, so there was a move away from it. And then, of course, with uh, computer screens and LED signage, uh, that's kind of, you know, uh, taking the place of uh, the neon signs of old, which is, you know, in a way, you know, too bad because neon had a warmth to it that LED just does not have. Right. And the the Fremont Street experience is not neon. It's it's LED, correct? Or some Yes, sort and of, uh right. it is uh getting a new display, a new uh ne- you know, a new LED display and uh everything on New Year's Eve this year. Oh, okay. So what uh what has been or who I know you mentioned Yesco. Um there has to be other designers out there that are there iconic Neon designers that Las Vegas has has used. Oh yeah, uh, Herman uh, Herman Bernge and Kermit Wayne, who uh, both worked uh, at Yesco. Uh, Kermit uh, Kermit Wayne did uh, the front of uh, the Galaxy front of uh, the Stardust when it originally opened. It mm-hmm. was, you know basically had the Galaxy all across the front of the hotel. Uh, he also, working with Herman Bernge, designed uh, the bullnose uh, that was on the front of the Golden Nugget uh, and, until uh, Steve Wynn bought it in uh, the 1980s. Um, let's see, Herman Bernge also did the little uh, cactus that uh, was part of uh, the Desert Inn sign for, uh, originally. Uh, Herman Bernge also did uh, the original uh, Flamingo sign. Uh, let's see. As I said, there was Betty Willis who did uh, the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. Uh, Jack Larson. Uh, Brian uh, Buzz Lemming who, did, uh, who helped uh, work on both the Aladdin sign and the Caesar sign and then went on to uh, design, uh, let's see, the sign at the Rio, the Orleans, 
uh, Wild Bills out in Prim, and another a, a, a number of signs throughout the Las Vegas Valley. Okay, one of, I I would say one of the most iconic besides Vegas Vic. To me, Vegas Vic is pretty iconic. But is oh yeah yeah the the Welcome to Las Vegas. I mean, it, that's in movies. That's in. Um, you know, I see that a lot. And you know what? Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting when you've lived in Las Vegas and you know exactly where that sign is. It's interesting in movies how they, they kind of put that sign in other places that don't make logistical sense. <laughs> um, yes. But can you can you tell us a little bit more about the, the Welcome to Las Vegas sign? It was uh, designed by uh, Betty Willis. And uh, Betty had a background in uh, design. Uh, she had worked at uh, MGM for a num- uh, in the beginning of her career before uh, returning back home uh, to Las Vegas, where uh, she was born. And she always, you know, always had a very fond affection for uh, what she calls her little sign. And uh, you know, when she originally designed it, uh, she had no idea that it would become as beloved as it has, and it has moved a couple of times over the years as, you know, as the strip has, as the strip got closer to it, they would, uh, the County fathers would uh, move it a little further down the road um, because, you know, it's supposed to welcome you into town before you see much of anything. And uh, so now it's got, you know, it's got its own uh, little plaza with parking so that uh, people can, uh, take their selfies with it. <laughs> yeah. Instead of walking across Las Vegas Boulevard, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, some of the other, yes. my, <laughs> some of the other iconic neon signs um, to me are like the four Queens and, and uh, the Fremont, you know, the Fremont's all red and the four Queens is the gold. Um, yeah. Can you tell us anything about those? Um. Those colors are very associated uh, with gambling, with the Barbary Coast, uh, and uh, back in uh, the 60s, uh, when Fremont Street was all lit up before uh, they built the before they built that canopy, when it was known as uh, Glitter Gulch. Um, most of the hotels were designed were were still you know designed to give you that feeling of uh, the old west, but you know in modern times in modern splendor as the uh, hotel frontier like to say, but uh, so they were they were done in these rich rich colors lots of flicker uh, flicker bulbs chasing bulbs, lots of neon. Because the whole idea was to lure you in so that you would you would gamble more. Because mm-hmm. that's the one thing that uh, the owners wanted. They wanted you in their places gambling. Do you know much about the how they make it and how neon's made? Uh, it's it's a uh, labor intensive process. I don't know much more than that. It requires uh, glass bending and uh, the you know the colors and all of that. I believe. There used to be on the Yesco uh, website. There used to be uh, information about um, what goes into designing a neon sign. I don't know if it's still there or not, but it used to be. Hmm. That's something I'm going to check out. Um, so I know when I first moved to Las Vegas, 
the, my marker, so I knew where I was, <laughs> was the circus circus. And I could see the, the flashing circus circus sign yeah. wherever I was throughout town. Now I can't, now I doubt if you could see it because of all the, the higher hotels there. That clown's been up there since uh, Circus Circus uh, debuted uh, back in, what was it, 1969? 68, 69, something like that. But um, that clown's been uh, part of the part of the landscape, uh, you know, since since it opened. Yeah, because I, I would I would look for the alternating circus circus wherever I was, and I knew I could find my <laughs> way home. <laughs> yeah, and one reason neon worked uh, worked so well um, was because the strip was built for the automobile. Uh, for the automobile drivers, you know, because the whole idea was, you know, you're driving over from Southern California and you're driving down uh, the highway there and you drive into this neon paradise. And the whole idea was to get you to pull your car into, you know, the uh, port of Cashier, get out and get inside and get gambling as soon as possible. But, you know, that's why uh, a lot of the signs, it's so hard to save them is because they're so big. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's hard to uh, to take them apart without destroying them. Luckily, the Neon, Muse- uh, Neon Museum uh, knows how to do that. And so thus, you know, they were able to save part of the Stardust sign and uh some of the other signs and unfortunately you know we we lost the dune sign um back when uh the uh the dunes was imploded so that uh, the bellagio could be built and yeah, i always I thought that. that the the dune sign was always going to be part of you know the las vegas strip i i could not imagine the strip without it and of course i always thought that the front of uh, caesars was always going to be turquoise too but uh that didn't happen <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about the the las vegas uh neon museum and how that started uh it started uh because they saw a need to uh save the neon signs and uh for years uh they had, you know, the outdoor uh, storage facility, uh, and also too, Yesco had uh, a bunch of their signs uh, in their yard, and they wanted, you know, they were going to get rid of them. And the Neon Museum stepped up and said, you know, uh, let's work out something because we want to save those signs, and they've now got an active restoration. Uh, preservation um, program going uh, where, you know, they're trying very hard to raise the money to relight uh, the signs as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, I I remember the first time I visited uh, the Neon Museum uh, back when it was more of a a storage yard than uh, a museum um, in early 2000. Four, I think it was 2003 or 2004 and they've, they've, you know, grown by leaps and bounds. And of course getting the La Concha uh, lobby has, has helped them immensely. And 
I'm so glad they did because that would have been a real travesty to to have lost that to uh, to history. Mm-hmm. Is Vegas Vic in the museum? Uh, no, Vegas Vic, uh, they lowered him. He's still on Fremont Street, still above uh, the Pioneer Club. I think it's an ABC store now. Okay. Uh, but uh, when they put the canopy in, they, they lowered Vic, and so his arm doesn't move anymore. And it's it's hard to get a good picture of him, especially with that uh, zip line that goes <laughs> down Fremont Street. But, uh, yeah, close, uh, putting up that uh, canopy uh, killed the, the whole idea of uh, Glitter Gulch because you used to be able to drive up East Fremont, uh, Fremont Street. And as you got closer, you just you literally drove through this canyon of neon uh, from about uh, where those little motels like the Sky Ranch and the Safari and the the Bonanza Lodge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, from about there all the way to Main Street, it was just, you know, eye popping neon everywhere. So Vegas and, Vic out, outlived Lee Marvin. Uh, yes, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and for and for a while, Fremont Street, uh, according to uh, Manny Cortez, Fremont Street was one of the most uh, photographed uh, streets in the world. And Manny Cortez is the uh, Las Vegas Convention Visitors Authority. If yes, I remember the he name was right. uh, yeah. the head of that for a number of years. And he retired, and he passed away, I think, about 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So which, in your opinion, is the, the, the best Las Vegas neon example, and why? Oh, that, that's a tough one. But I would probably, I would have to say for downtown, it's Vegas Vic. And for the strip, it would be the original sand sign. Okay. Because that thing was just absolutely gorgeous. And it lit up, you know, it uh, flashed between, at night between being white and red. And it was, it was huge. It's like six feet tall, I think. And it was just, it was a beauty of a sign. And they uh, decided that in the mid-60s, they would put up a tower, and they were going to, to do a smaller sign, and it was never quite the same. But uh, mm-hmm. that original sign was gorgeous. The Flamingo had, a, in my opinion, a pretty good sign. Um, oh, yeah. T- yeah. It was... The uh, Flamingo, that, that very, you know, the uh, Flamingo, the neon Flamingo uh, letters across the front, because... Uh, the, the lobby was all, you know, ceiling to floor glass, and you had big neon sign that said Flamingo across the front, and the accompanying, you know, the champagne tower where the bubbles went up, and then the bubbles came down, and the bubbles went up, and the bubbles came down, and yeah, that one, that one was a showstopper too. I mean, there was a, there was a time in the fifties and the sixties when, you know, you could just. Be, if, especially if you were a kid, just be mesmerized by all the animated neon up and down the strip. Mm-hmm. Now, can you tell us, is there any point, um, did like the World War 
two have any impact or was there burgeoning at some certain point with neon or was it just a steady growth? It was uh, a steady growth. It it, uh, really started to come into its own after uh, World War II. Um, And after, after the war, the whole idea of, you know, getting people traveling, uh, to get them to come to Las Vegas. And, you know, as I said, the strip was originally designed for the automobile. Uh, you know, that's one reason why the signs were so big because back before you had all the light pollution back before when the Valley was still small, you know, you'd come around that bend coming in from Southern California and all you would see were all these neon signs and, you know, because they were designed to to get your attention. Yeah, I know um, back when I, you know, back in the 80s and mid-80s when I first moved there, you'd fly in and you could see the neon for quite some distance, you know, coming into McCarran. It was quite oh, yeah. impressive. Um, besides the strip... Yeah, we lived where- in uh, the, the, the southwest part of town and uh, out in Spring Valley, and I could stand in uh, my parents' front yard and you could see the strip from, you could see the neon signs on the strip from, from our front yard. And that was a good five or eight miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, you know, even today you can still see it, but it's just a different experience in my opinion. It's a very different experience. And now yeah. I can't see it from my parents' uh, front yard because uh, the town's so built up. <laughs> yeah, I used to when I lived there it was uh um off of Decatur and now now that's kind of almost in the middle of town and it's it's yeah. uh, it's, it's just amazing how Las Vegas has grown. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a city that's still yeah, near Decatur and dear used to, my to heart. end at Tropicana and now it yeah. it goes on for, you know, miles. Yeah. So from a non-casino perspective, where would you say, or if you know this, the, the most elaborate neon sign is? Uh, the, the, the fish on Davy's Locker there on Desert Inn was uh, always one of my favorites because uh, the, the fish kind of, you know, was a little animated, not much animated, but a little. I always liked that fish. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was a uh, in uh, the East Charleston in the Charleston Plaza Mall on East Charleston. There used to be an, uh, a Fox movie theater, and they had a huge uh, neon and flicker bulb sign. I remember that one. Uh, there was an Italian restaurant on uh, Alta at Decatur when I was a kid. That uh, a pizzeria that had a neon sign that I really loved. But um, the Lawless Center in uh, Northtown, a uh, little Sputnik of a sign that was designed by uh, Brian Lemming. That's another favorite of mine. But, uh, oh, and Anderson Dairy. Anderson Dairy oh, yes, had yes. You know, that star logo on top of their building mm-hmm. at night. And uh, that was always eye-catching. Uh, the convention center glowed green at night, which I always thought was really cool. Of course, that's back when it looked like a flying saucer. Um, one of the I looked up the, the best neon signs in Las Vegas, and one of them that came up was a 
the In N Out Burger. And for those who I'm not sure what the boundary is for In N Out Burger, but on the West Coast, In N Out Burgers are incredibly good. Oh yes, they, make they their are. Own French fries there, and uh, that is voted as one of the the best neon signs in Las Vegas. Is the one on In N Out Burger because it has you know the cascading neon with the arrow and mm-hmm. the In N Out Burger. Um, so I was surprised about that one. Yeah, that that but one I, I do that one surprises it. me, but I can I can understand it because I mean it's you know it's designed to catch your eye, and if you're hungry, it's like let's go to In and Out. <laughs> yep, yep. So if if uh, for our listeners, if you ever get out to Las Vegas, you have to try In and Out Burger. It's a it's a West Coast thing, I think. But um, can you tell us a little bit if you know? Uh, the subject, but how is it easy to maintain the neon signs or is it quite labor intensive? Um, it's, 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 it's labor intensive, uh, mainly because they're so big. Uh, you know, if, if you have to, uh, replace yeah, in, in, uh, a flipper bulb or neon tubing or something, you've got to get a crane in, um, in, you know, there's pictures of uh, the installation of the dune sign, and there's you know a crane that's dropping a man down uh, to the sign so that he can work on it. And you know, it's stuff that you know people don't think about. It, the good news is with neon is it's very durable and it lasts a long, long time. And so it's, you're, le- you're less likely to have to replace a uh, neon tubing in a sign, but the flicker bulb signs, you know, if a bulb goes out, you, you've got to replace uh, that because then the whole, the flicker bulb, you know, the chasing and all that is, doesn't quite work. So, yeah, I remember seeing the the Yusco trucks all over Las Vegas and with the cranes and fixing the bulbs. Which uh, which neon sign in current Las Vegas is, would you say, the oldest? Uh, probably Vic, probably Vegas Vic. OK, OK. Hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh it's hard to get a good picture of him underneath that canopy these days, which is really, really unfortunate. Yeah, they they uh, they managed uh, to save the letters because the Sahara had that wonderful um, uh, pylon neon sign that used to be out in front of the hotel, and then they moved it to the parking lot there on uh, Paradise. Uh, you know, when they did that whole NASCAR thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were able to save, uh, the letters from the sign, which is always good. Uh, I believe they were able to, uh, save the Riviera sign. They just recently got, uh, the hard rocks, uh, guitar. Oh, that's another, that's so another iconic are, one. And they often misplace that, oh, misplace yeah. that in movies too. <laughs> they'll have the, the hard, oh, most definitely. You know, they'll have the hard rock guitar right on the Las Vegas strip. Like you're driving along and you're seeing circus circus. And then there's the hard rock, um, guitar and, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, one of the other iconic, in my opinion, iconic, uh, Las Vegas neon, um, signs that, and you've mentioned this and I was hoping maybe you could give a little history on it is, the, the the Aladdin's lamp from the original Aladdin. Um. Oh yeah, 
And uh, that sign, uh, the designer of the hotel, because uh, uh, Brian Lemming uh, was one of the designers on that, and they called it uh, the Ice Cream Sunday sign. And the uh, designer of the hotel was not a fan of neon at all. And uh, Milton Prell, you know, he didn't want Milton Prell to see the sign and Milton Prell came over to Yesco and he's like, well, let me see my sign. And the neon designers like, Oh, you're not going, or the uh, designer of the hotel is like, you're not going to like it. You know, let's go. And he's like, no, I want to see my sign. And they showed him the sign and he fell in love with it. And, uh, that was, uh, that was the last objection from the hotel designer. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also seen pictures of, um, it, it's a neon sign. It looks like Liberace's signature. Where was that? Ooh, oh, that was probably on um, his museum and that uh, on his museum. Um, where was that located? Down off, uh, uh, down off of Flamingo something like that. But uh, he had, a, he, there was the Liberace Museum and uh, Tivoli Gardens, the restaurant. Um, and I believe the neon signature of Liberace was part, was uh, to help advertise the Liberace Museum. Okay. Oh, another great uh, neon sign from uh, back in the day was uh, the Thunderbird. Oh, can you tell us about that? Uh, it's this giant, you know, uh, neon uh, Thunderbird that sat uh, out front of uh, the Thunderbird Hotel. And that thing was gorgeous. All lit up at night. And it originally uh, blew smoke. But that proved to be uh, getting natural gas to it proved to be too expensive. And so its its days of smoking were were short lived. Yeah, I would think fire on but, fire on uh, the street would be the good. Sign. So, um, where do you see neon progressing from from now? Do you see it kind of disappearing and in 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 instead of going to like LED, or do you still see neon having a hold in Las Vegas? Um, down on East Fremont Street. Uh, you know they've got a couple of uh, of new neon signs uh, for uh, the restaurants and the bars down there. Um, I don't, I you know, I don't see it making a big comeback on uh, the strip anytime soon, which, as I said, is really unfortunate because uh, there's just something about you know neon signage and Las Vegas that just go hand in mm-hmm. hand. Uh, but you know, never say never. Yeah, it could have a resurgence. You know, yes, it could make a comeback. And I'm not sure what is more cost effective. Is neon expensive to to run, or is LED? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure either. But uh, LED is probably cheaper. Um. Because it's probably also uh, easier to maintain. 
then, you know, because neon, neon goes hand, usually hand in hand, you know, with the chasing lights and flicker bulbs and all of that. So I just, uh, Another. I just Googled it, and uh, it says LED signs are approximately 10% less expensive than comparable neon signs, but the initial price difference between LED and neon is insignificant. So um, it's not that mm-hmm. big a difference. Um, I thought I yeah. thought LED would be more efficient, but not necessarily. Um, also, too, uh, design-wise, it's probably LED is probably cheaper. Yeah, because you you don't see the creativity, at least um, to my eyes. You know, uh, driving uh, down the strip, you don't see the creativity in LED signs that you saw in uh, the old neon yeah, signs. Yeah, some of them were pretty pretty creative in how they made the animation by just moving those you know, changing the, the, the bulbs and it was pretty amazing. So Lynn, before we wrap up, um, what else, what other interesting facts about Las Vegas neon do you have for our listeners? Uh, let's see. Oh, the, uh, horse and rider, uh, sign that, uh, rides above Fremont street. Now, uh, that used to be, uh, at the old, uh, Hacienda hotel, uh, where Mandalay Bay is uh, today, and that was uh, also designed uh, by Brian by Brian Lemming. Uh, and that and that one's another one of my favorites. But uh, yeah, people, you know, support the Neon Museum. If you walk around uh, Fremont Street, uh, they've got uh, signs scattered all around uh, Fremont Street uh, that are part of. Uh, the neon museum, like, uh, the flame and, uh, the red barn and, uh, Andy Anderson and, uh, my website, classiclasvegas.com has, uh, lots of information on the history of, uh, the signs and, you know, just, uh, celebrate neon any way you can. Okay. And your website, um, it was, what was it again, Lynn? It's classiclasvegas.com. And you have pictures on there, some of the signs, right? Oh, most definitely. Okay. Yeah. I I encourage all of our listeners go to classiclasvegas.com and and check out Lynn's site. It has some very interesting information and pictures of, you know, not only the the signs of Las Vegas and... uh, but also his Las Vegas history, in which we talked about a while ago. And you also have a, a, a book or two available too, right? Uh, yes. Uh, if you go to the website, uh, you can uh, purchase a copy of uh, Gambling on a Dream, the classic Las Vegas strip, uh, 1930 to 1955, which uh, covers the first 11 hotels and their signs that were uh, built on uh, the Las Vegas strip. And uh, that is available in... Uh, on the website, uh, there's also a companion DVD that goes along with it, so you can, you know, buy the box set, so to speak. And also on uh, both iTunes and Amazon is the companion book, of classic, uh, the classic Las Vegas Strip uh, from 1956 to 1973 that covers uh, the hotels from the Stardust to the original MGM Grand. And uh, lots of stories in that one uh, available 
uh, about uh, the hotels and the signage, and that's available as an ebook from both iTunes and uh, Amazon. Okay, and your the printed book you'll actually sign for for people, right? Yes, I will. Okay. You, uh, cool. you can get an autographed copy. <laughs> okay, and that's at uh, classiclasvegas.com. That's it. Okay, so Lynn, I want to thank you for your time again, and it was certainly enlightening, uh, enlightening no pun intended. Um, I just realized what I said. <laughs> so I want to thank you for your time, and uh, you know, if we have a- an opportunity to talk more about the history of Las Vegas, I would certainly love having you back again. That would be great. I would love to come back any time, and it's been great talking with you, John. We'll talk to you later. Okay, goodbye.